You're listening to Dynamo's Dust. Now let's welcome your host, Team Dynamo Kelly. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to Dynamo's Dozen, the podcast that I bring you each and every single week where I talk about whatever may be on my mind from pro wrestling, sports, entertainment, music, movies, muesli, fresh socks and jocks, and everything in between, never forgetting the talc. And this week, once again, we are joined by Mr. Findlay Martin. That's right, Findlay Martin from Inside the Ropes. You know him as the king of the Power Slam podcast. I know as Finn. How are you, Finn? <laughs> I have no idea why he refers to me as, as that. I, I mean, he just does it to a wine milk, does uh, Kenny, I'm sure, king of the Powerslam podcast. But uh, anyway, I am, yes, I am, I am a participant. I am one half of the Powerslam podcast, and it is great to be back on Dynamo's Dozen. How are you doing, Ian? How are you doing today? I'm very well. I've got a little bit of a head cold, but I'm not going to complain. We troop on, do you know what I mean? So if my voice sounds a little bit muffled, it's just purely because I have a little bit of a head cold, but it's not going to stop me from uh, from participating in this. This Once again, uh, uh, the, the pleasure is all mine. Always great to have you uh, have you on the show. So I'm very well. Thank you very much. Um, I know there was one thing we wanted to mention. We were going to talk about one or two pieces of news um, within the wrestling business, but before we do that, um, Wrestle Talk Magazine issue eleven, I believe, is out this week, and you just wanted to have a few words um, on that particular particular magazine. Yeah, I mean, as people know, Wrestle Talk Magazine has been around for as a bi-monthly um, publication for the last couple of years. It's been like mail order. Now it is in the shops, so uh, I hope uh, if you are uh, interested in buying magazines and hopefully you will be, um, that you will go and check WrestleTalk Magazine out. Uh, It's in the shops today, issue 11. Uh, I've written an article in there on the history of WWF stroke WWE on television uh, in the UK. So I hope people will uh, check that out. I really enjoyed writing that article. I actually spent more time writing that four-page article than any four-page article I had previously written. I was on it ages. There was all sorts of stuff that I didn't know that I learned whilst writing that article. So, yeah, I hope people will check that out and uh, and support the magazine. So, uh, you know, it's available now if you choose to do so. Yeah, I mean, I, for one, will fully uh, fully endorse that. I'm, uh, I was always a big fan of uh, paper print myself. Um, I just prefer having something physically in my hands than always, you know, having to go to the internet. But maybe that's um, the age that I am showing true, possibly. But, um, no, I mean, for me, uh, you were always, you know, one of my favorite writers anyway. So that is an article I would be really, really interested in uh, in reading. And obviously we won't go in too much into it because we want people to buy the magazine. So if you really want to know the history of WWE, WWF TV in the UK, which I certainly do, um, I have a bit of an idea on it before. I like to call myself a bit of a historian, but I guarantee you there's things in there that I did not know. Because if you didn't know them, I certainly didn't know them, Finn. 
<laughs> That's right. I was like, oh. And so I wrote the article and I went back and read uh, to start progressing through the power time years. I'm thinking, oh no, I hope none of that's incorrect. And that was all right. That was all correct still. So I was really pleased. Well, give me, I'll tell you what, give me a sneak peek just to wet the lips and the appetite of people. What year did WWF TV programming start in the UK? Well, um, it was Sky started on cable TV in England. Uh, it was actually launched in Swindon uh, in wow. January of 1984. Really? And the singer Kate Bush was there at the launch. Really? Uh, yeah, Kate Bush was there at the launch. I love Kate and, Bush. Uh, and cable TV at that point was available in 10,000 homes wow. in Swindon. Wow. In <laughs> so, uh, and then cable was picked up in other towns and I mean it wasn't until February 89 that Sky launched as in Satellite Dish Sky launched but sure, yeah, yeah. you know prior to 84 you could actually have a three meter wide satellite dish installed yeah. uh, in your garden it was very expensive so Satellite TV had existed since 82 um, so you could get it in various European countries but it wasn't until uh, January 84 that cable TV, which far more affordable, homes were wired to cable, uh, it wasn't until uh, Jan 84 uh, that people could watch it without a three-metre-wide satellite dish in their back garden. So, uh, you know, then cable was something that was picked up around the country. But, I mean, a lot of parts of the country, even like 88 or 89, weren't wired for cable. I mean, as far as I know, you couldn't get cable TV where I lived. No. Um, and then... Satellite uh, TV was rolled out on a major scale, February 89, and it became affordable at that point. And that was when um, WWF um, really took off uh, in the UK because there was, you know, major amount of people were having satellite dishes affixed to the side of their houses so they could watch what was, well, they had the Sky package of four channels, but there was various other channels that you could get as well through your dish. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting time. So just writing about, yeah. you know, WWF on on cable and on Sky, and also of course it was on ITV yes. on Saturday afternoons, and it was on ITV uh, eight nights as well. So yeah. you know, there's all that stuff. And it was on Channel Four in 2000, and you know, all that all that type type of stuff. It's uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's uh, there's a lot to the story. You know what's amazing, actually, Finn, without giving too much of your article away, because I do want people to buy it, you see, I'm a bit of a marketer there. I'm going to give myself 10 out of 10 there. I didn't let you get too far. I know, you, I know you're know you such a nice guy that you'd end up giving the whole article away for free. Uh, <laughs> 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 but, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, the, the, those are the uh, some of the details of it. So, yeah, there's a lot of analysis in there. But, yeah, yeah hopefully people are trying. Oh, well, I'm definitely going to check it out. I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, it's actually funny, just while we're on the nostalgia train, um, that, that's exactly how I remember it. And then, obviously, when WWF TV went to, like, Saturday mornings and then Saturday kind of evening, I think it might have been Superstars that was on in the evening around 6 o'clock or so. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I remember in between that, my Saturday was absolutely perfect as a young man because I had, obviously, I think it was Mania that was on in the mornings. Todd yeah. Um Then they brought that girl in, and she just ruined it all. I don't know who she was. Stephanie Weand was the, that? Yeah, yeah. She was just really annoying. Like I was like just really loud and annoying. <laughs> but uh, well, was, uh, Todd Pengel was a big part of it. 
yeah. back then, wasn't he? Oh, he was, he was. And it was kind of, I think maybe it was just because it was Todd's show and anyone coming in would have just kind of ruined it. But that was a big thing. And then in the afternoon on ITV, you had WCW, if you recall, yeah. around three o'clock maybe. Pretty that's sure. right, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then that was followed by Thunder and Paradise. <laughs> 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 then after Thunder and Paradise I had Hockey Hour on NBC and then Wrestling followed by Baywatch I mean what more could a young man want on a Saturday afternoon I don't know I mean you kind of you kind of got much homework done back then <laughs> I, did, I did it after a school on a Friday <laughs> <laughs> that was my homework I'm able to talk about it today <laughs> well exactly yeah exactly our wrestling education exactly exactly but it's it's cool it's just funny because I mean you're probably the same like back in the day you had to go to a video store to catch the w, the old WWF pay-per-views which I loved you know um, yeah and then in your magazine the Power Slam magazine um, was where you could find the links then to all the WCW pay-per-views which was really the only way that you would get it here in Ireland was to um, to go and, and, and kind of buy the, the pay-per-view on VHS, you know, maybe yeah. a, a month after the fact. I mean, it's just, just when you look back on it, and it's just the way it was, and, yeah. you know, it sort of seems very primitive now. Yeah. But it, it actually, see, it, at the time, it's quite advanced, because you, you still had access to, to these events. Yeah. You just had to wait for them, and you had to actually spend money to, to buy them. Which I like. They weren't on the, you know, you couldn't access them on the internet or they weren't on TV. And, you know, you look at it now and there's so much access to so much wrestling content, most of which is free or can be ex- accessed for free, if you know where to look. Yeah. Uh, that it's, it, is, it is kind of amazing how much has changed. But, you know, your expectations change with you know the circumstances and that's the way it is isn't it yeah 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 but um yeah that's enough of the old nostalgia buzz but i thought it's a pretty cool trip down memory lane for all you young guys and gals out there that's how the likes of me and finn used to watch wrestling so there you go um and there was no dvr so you didn't even fast forward through it you'd probably watch the pay-per-view maybe twice two or three times start to finish so uh that was uh most certainly my wrestling education but um moving on there's a couple of bits and bobs in the news, a couple of things to maybe touch on. I see um, I see Big Cass has had a bit of a, a um, I suppose, a kind of a come-to-Jesus meeting, and he's kind of come out and uh, been very open and honest with his demons after a, kind of, a few kind of meltdowns, it seems, at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, look... I read the I read the the, uh, the the post that he put out, and it seemed very very open and honest. And you know, whatever the guy has done or hasn't done, or whoever he's pissed off, um, you know, it's pretty big and brave to come out and actually admit that. So I mean, ten out of ten, and hopefully he gets himself on the right track. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for a long time, it was something that wrestlers were were not. It wasn't. They weren't forbidden from talking about these things, but I think it was a lot more of an openness towards it now, a lot more understanding. I think Ronaldo, uh, the NXT commentator, yeah. I think he um, really made it, he, he brought a lot more sort of public awareness to it, that documentary he did. For sure. Uh, and I yeah. think that was very helpful. Yeah. And that's um, made it easier for wrestlers to talk about this or write about this publicly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I did, an interview in uh, Power Slam Interviews Volume 2 with Daphne, the former WCW T 
TNA wrestler personality. Sure. Uh, and she talked in great detail about her battles with it and how when she was uh, in the WWE developmental system that it was just something that people didn't talk about. And she obviously had problems as well when she was in TNA. And again, it was something that it was, she just didn't feel comfortable talking about it publicly. So it's really good that things have changed um, and that there's become a lot more sort of awareness of it and an openness about it. And, and that you know, people feel like they can um, admit or acknowledge this um, and, and then they'll get support as well from the public. You know, that's a, a thing that's changed as well. I think the public has become a lot more supportive of people because they're understanding um, of the problems that people have. I think that has, um, has increased. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really good that people can talk about this uh, and that they can feel like they can seek help and tell people that they are doing so. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, I fully endorse all of that. We've had many, many discussions on this show um, before with, with even wrestlers talking about um, battles with depression and anxiety and stuff like that, so it's good that people aren't looking at all these famous people anymore as just a famous person behind a, you know, in front of a camera, yeah. but there's an actual absolutely. real human being behind the character also, so it's uh, it's really cool. Um any other bits of news that you want to touch on yourself that stood out over the over the last two weeks or so? Quite a lot's happened. Um, well, we, we had this story, didn't we, about um, Rick Flair and uh, the man and yes. when he was attempting <laughs> to trademark it and what's going on here. Yes. And then Flair turned up on SmackDown this week. And it's like, mm, obviously things aren't uh, too frosty between Rick and W. Yeah, I mentioned this last week on, on the Inside Rubs podcast. I think um, I think Rick's working it, working an angle here. Yeah, I think he wants to be he wants to be on the opposite side of the ring somehow in the corner of Charlotte when she has some sort of feud with Becky Lynch and ownership or use of usage of the man and nickname is at stake. I think it's all part of a big plan by Ric Flair to make himself relevant again and get himself back on TV because, you know, even at this point in his life, 70 years of age, he still craves the spotlight. He still wants to be that guy of course. that he's been his entire adult life, you know? And we should let him. Let him. Let him be, you know? It's, it's great. I love it. I mean, I smell the work pretty much from the start. I thought people were getting into a frenzy and kind of... Said, oh, well, he stole Nature Boy Buddy Rogers' uh, gimmick and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, guys, calm down. This is definitely Rick working something here, for sure. Um, he's got too many ties in WWE to just suddenly, you know, try and file a lawsuit, uh, you know, in order to kind of burn those bridges. So, yeah, I think you're you're 100% spot on with that. Yeah, so you're good for him. So, um, did you watch last night, uh, last night's uh, NXT, Ian? No, we were going to talk about that, but we are going to talk about it. I believe that you have watched it, yeah? Yeah, I watched most of it. I haven't seen all of it, but uh, I mean, I thought it was a you know blockbuster yeah. showing from uh, from the NXT um, talent and production crew, and only the first hour of the show was broadcast on USA. The second hour was on WWE Network okay. uh, from October 2nd, same night that AEW launches, of course, premieres on uh, TNT. Yeah. 
both hours of NXT will be shown on the USA Network Live. So, um, so yeah, only the first hour. So, I mean, it was, yeah, it was hell of a show. The energy, you know, the action was, I, I was thinking, will these people sort of crack under the pressure? None of them did. I mean, this came across as a big time production. Uh, one of the most professional things as well was the look of NXT was the same. I, I was slightly concerned that Vince and Kevin might get involved and say, no, you need to up the production values, Hunter. You know, this isn't good enough. You know, anything that's uh, WWE is associated with, it's got to be big and it's got to be bright and it's going to be shiny. And it still had the same NXT look to it. So that was really refreshing. Obviously, they're the filming at the same venue still as well, so it's got that same intimate atmosphere. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen all the show. I've seen most of it, and certainly the first hour was tremendous. Absolutely uh, recommend it to anyone out there. Yeah, so I have it on in the background here as we're speaking just to kind of get a, get a feel for the, the look and the production. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still that same intimate type of um, look, which I like because, you know, I think WWE is too shiny now, as you mentioned, it's too shiny. I mean, I remember, um, like, going back on nostalgia talks, I always preferred WWE when the crowd were dimmed down a little bit, just a little bit, and the the, the lights are on the ring, you know? And NXT yeah. has that feel, um, and I really, really love that, the, that, that, that old school, um, you feel like you're in a smoky kind of hall feel, you know? Um yeah, it looks really good. Just looking at it here, great production. Um, I mean, NXT is probably one of the big... I mean, NXT is a product that you don't even hear Jim Cornette on his podcast really slate too much. He really puts it over, actually. Um, quite the opposite, so, you know... <laughs> <laughs> and that's saying something, since the, exactly. the two guys who are basically running it, uh, Triple H and yeah. Shawn Michaels. And <laughs> we know what Cornette thinks about those two. I know. <laughs> And you know, and he has his reasons, but uh, these, the, yeah, I mean, you gotta say, Sean and Hunter are doing a terrific job. But let's also give a shout out to the, you know, to the UK boys that are that are um, working behind the scenes. Especially shout out to John Moss, who's a, a good friend, Johnny Moss, working uh, there the last couple of years behind the scenes on production now as well. Um, obviously, Johnny Saint has had a big hand in there too. Um, yeah, Robbie. Brookside. Yeah, Robbie Brookside is there as well. Um and then obviously Regal. Yeah. So I mean there's a huge, huge UK influence in that uh in NXT from from the very start up until where it's got now, so that's really good as well. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean on the last night's show, on the uh second hour that was on the network, Pete Pete Dunn made an appearance, obviously he's attached to uh US NXT now. And then uh Imperium uh, they made their debut and Walter came out and there's like a scuffle between Walter and Kushida uh, oh. so that's going to lead to a Kushida-Walter match so um, yeah they just wheeled all all the big guns not all the big guns but many of the big guns were uh, wheeled out um, on this episode and I'm here so yeah, yeah do, do, you know WWE is preparing its forces for the battalion in two weeks' time. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I mean, even with Cesaro showing up on that, I would not be surprised over the next six months to twelve months if you start seeing some big stars head on to uh, NXT. To be honest with you, um, I mean, they're going to make new stars, which is good. But I'd like to see some of the kind of stars that are underutilized go there. I'm not talking yeah. about the Brock Lesnar's, but maybe the Finn Balor's and people like that might be able to. Uh, 
head back to NXT. But then he's probably set up for a feud with Bray Wyatt as the demon when he does come back eventually, I'm sure. So, I don't know. But, but if they're going to do something with the likes of Finn Balor, put him down there, maybe. Unless you've got something for him, put him down there. And not just him, other, other guys as well. Yeah, I'm in full agreement. I mean, they're on they're on USA now, so mm-hmm. it's equal in, in status in terms of visibility to the nation. Yeah, um, exactly. So you think about it. Is it okay? You're playing. You're performing before smaller crowds. But I mean, USA has thrown a lot of money at WWE or NXT for the TV rights, yeah. of course, and uh, we hear that going to be uh, distributed or some of it will be distributed amongst the talent not all of it of course sure. uh, so you can understand why this will be very desirable to uh, performers on Raw or Smackdown who are underutilised there or can kind of re- can, can kind of see well how far are we really going to go here um, the only thing of course with NXT is that they're saying that NXT and 205 Live are going to be amalgamated so the spots could be kind of hard to come by so it seems like there's going to be a lot of talent uh, vying for um, that two hours of TV time each week. Which is great, though. Which is great. I mean, that's that's the competition you want. Competition within itself, but then competition against the opposition as well. So, um, yeah, exciting times ahead. I mean, are they going to be... <coughs> excuse me. Are both um, shows, uh, AEW and NXT, are they going to be competing against each other on a live format at the same time? Yeah, I mean, yeah, NXT was uh, live last night. Yeah. From October 2nd, um, as I said, uh, NXT will be on USA Live for two hours. Sure. Um, they've already announced Shayna Baszler versus Candice LeRae, yeah. um, who, was, who won a fatal four-way match um, that kicked off last night's NXT. I've just NXT, seen the highlights in NXT. Yeah. So they've already announced that. And I imagine that uh, the Kushida-Walter match will probably take place on the October 2nd episode as well. But yeah. AEW is going to be live on TNT and NXT is going to be live on USA. So it's, you know, it's a proper, it's a proper recreation of, you know, Nitro versus Raw. I love it. I love it. I'm actually, as we speak, I can see Pete Dunne in the ring now. Man, I got to say one thing here. Shout out to the female referees. I've just seen the female referee there for that, um, the match that you were talking about, the Fatal 4-Way. And the referee for yeah. the main event at um, at the AEW uh, All Out pay per view. Some of these female wrestlers are far better than the men. They really, really are really good. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I mean, you know, the, it's isn't it bizarre that it's taken all this time for? I mean, I know this is not they've been around for a what like about a year or so. Yeah, but it's only it's. I mean, I know there was, there was a female ref. Um, in the WWF back in the 80s. I can't remember her yeah. name. Yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah. Wasn't Mike McGurk, was it? I'm not sure. She was a she was an announcer, ring announcer, wasn't was an she? Announcer, yeah. So, I mean, but it's like, why has there not been more female referees prior to, like, 2017, 2018? It is curious, isn't it? So, yeah. again, one of those things, one of those changes, one of those developments, evolution, which, yeah. you know, there's no point really complaining about, oh, it should have happened sooner. At least it's happening now. Yeah, it's just something I've noticed that they are really, really good. They're more backbone in the ring than the guys in the sense that, you know, they get stuck in. I really, really am impressed, especially with that girl. What's her name from NA, from AEW? I'm going to have to get her name because that's really disrespectful. But she's such a good ref now. I've seen her on multiple occasions at the AEW uh, matches. And sometimes her performance is better than the, the actual workers in the ring. So, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is as well, I mean, and this kind of sounds villainous, but I mean, um, you can imagine that there's some, there's some heat that, that can be uh, generated with a female referee with a heel. Aubrey, Aubrey Edwards. And things like that. You know, there's a lot of heat to be had there. Sure. Um, the females, the referee, the lady in question that I was speaking about for AEW is Aubrey Edwards. So keep, keep a keep a name of Aubrey Edwards um, in your in your brains, ladies and gentlemen, because she is probably one of the best referees I've seen in a long, long time. Um, and for a referee to stand out to me is uh, definitely something. She's doing a good job. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah. We're, we're, obviously, we're obviously not advocating anything. It needs to be set up in advance. It needs to be planned. Yeah. Obviously, you know about that incident with that other referee on that show. Of course. Obviously, yeah. we don't want anything like that. Any repeat no. of that. No. We're just talking about as part of the show. I think there's something that there's a lot of heat that you could the heel could generate in that situation yeah. with a female referee of course imagine someone like MJF with you know in a match with her reffing it would be brilliant you know because with the likes of a heel of MJF's um, I guess caliber um, would be the right word yeah there's so much heat to be garnered there uh, uh, and you know him be made a fool of you know at the same time which is ultimately how it always ends up in face versus heel so yeah, hundred percent. I think it's, um, I think it's great. But uh, speaking of MJF, have you uh, have you followed his work or his uh, his 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 Twitter work even um, closely at all? No, I haven't seen anything that he's. I've only seen what he's done in AEW and some work that he's done in MLW, but not aware of what he's done on Twitter. And are you a fan of what you've seen so far? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a real talent. Um, he sort of looks a little bit like... He kind of reminds me of, like, a cross between Colt Cabana and Chris Candido. I don't know why, but he just sort of does. Fair and, enough. And um, yeah. it seems fairly um, obvious to me that he's going to turn heel on Cody. Probably oh, yeah. in the match that Cody has with Chris Jericho. Yeah, they actually... Or the next they... eight... Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, all out, it sort of when he came in the, into the ring after the match, you're thinking, is he going to turn on Cody now? Well, because I think Cody's supposed to be a baby face. Although, if you saw that uh, Road to All Out video where he turned up, up and uh, Sean Spears was there with Tully Blanchard and they were doing the contract signing, kind of thought that Cody uh, came across a bit heelish there. Yeah, you know, He just yeah. turned up, signed the contract and left. But, I mean, as far as I know, Cody's supposed to, to be a baby face. M MJF's like a tweener, I guess, when he's supporting Cody. I'm not really sure. You, you know, you can't, you've got to question his motives, but it seems, you know, it seems fairly obvious to me that he's going to turn heel on Cody, and that's going to be huge for him when he gets the feud with Cody, and especially if he's the one that cost Cody the match against Chris Jericho. Um, so, I mean, at that point, you know, it'll be all systems go for MJF. And we'll see what he really can do. Because you know, we've seen him in sort of low-card scenarios, yeah. low-card matches. Yeah. If he's opposite Cody, that's, you know, well, that's sort of top of the card or top half of the card. And that's quite a lot of pressure. But I feel like he's the sort of guy that's going to rise to the occasion. Yeah, me too. I think he wants it. I think he absolutely believes in himself. And as you know, that's a huge part uh, of a wrestler's... 
um, just a wrestler's psyche, a wrestler's success story. He has to believe in himself and he has to believe that the company is behind him in order for him to really fulfill his potential. So I think it's going to be huge for MGF when he does, after he does the turn on Cody, and I'm, I'm figuring it's going to happen at the uh, event in November. What do you think to MGF? Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Um, I think he's he's a real, uh, he's a modern throwback to heels that would have got, you know, probably stabbed back in the, back in the day. Um, you know, I saw, he just doesn't, he doesn't fear the heat, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and he really seeks, he's a proper heat seeker, actually. Um, he basically, I've seen some, you know, pictures of him, you know, he's he's beside like a disabled guy in a wheelchair and he's got his middle finger up at the guy, you know, when they're posing for a picture. Um, yeah. There's people posting on Twitter saying, oh, I just got my new MJF uh, shirt. My life feels uh, much better now. And uh, MJF, you know, tweeted back and said, well, to be honest, by the looks of your fat face, uh, your life couldn't have got any worse. Uh, you know... This kind of thing, it's just, it's it's very, very good. I mean, he was on Chris Jericho's podcast there a while ago, in character. Um, just really, and what I like about MJF is nobody knows if he actually is what he is because he's literally working everybody, you know? So yeah. I, I, I think the sky is the limit for MJF too. I think he's got a good look. Um, he looks like a wrestler. He does have that Candido type... Um, body he's got he's he's short enough and he's very stocky so he has got a very candido shape that's a good show and yeah i can see the cold cabana um you know type head to be fair um, yeah but yeah i, I just I, I just figured mjf was a good guy to talk about because he, he really looks he, he stands out to me as someone that could be a real true um star uh, you know in the future and the fact that he's only 23 but he's so old school it, yeah, it's amazing. Um, so I think the sky's the limit for the guy. I mean, he just he 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 watches Roddy Piper and Bob Orton and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So he's he he's studying the right people. Um, so yeah, MJF. I believe he's he's going all the way. Speaking of yeah, yeah. I I, <laughs> I agree absolutely agree. Yeah, he's, I mean he's somebody that I mean he's worked out. What I think a lot of wrestlers have worked this out. Not and it, and it's unfair to sort of knock today's wrestlers because most of them have worked this out. But it's all it's all about actually fulfilling it. And he's worked out that personality is key, yes. and that's how you stand out. And the thing is, on you look at the AEW roster, and there's a lot of people there that are pretty good in the ring that don't have those fleshed out, powerful, dynamic personalities, and that's what's that's what distinguishes MJF from so many other people on that roster. You know, I mean, I like Sean Spears. I think he's a real talent, but the personality is not strong. Yeah, I he don't know who he is. He's a strong personality, yeah, whereas yeah. MJF does. Yeah, look, you're, that's a great show, actually. You've kind of, um, you've kind of almost uh, described my feelings on Sean Spears. I wasn't able to really describe um, how I felt about him, but that's pretty spot on. Um like he has a great look. He looked great. His ring gear looked great. He's a good body. But I didn't. Know, I don't know who Sean Spears is. He just. He's just the guy that showed up and hit Cody in the head, and that's it, really. And Tully Blanchard's in his corner. And well, well, well where's the story? You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, he sh he should have been oozing malice. You know. Yeah. After the the chair shot to side or back of Cody's head. I mean, it didn't really feel, that's what I was just saying earlier about the, the Road to All Out video, where 
Spears is Larry Blanchard. You know, he was one of the, the great heels of the 1980s. Oh, yeah. And, you know, go back and watch some of his stuff from the 80s. There's a tremendous match on, I think it was YouTube or Daily Motion, of Tully versus Wahoo McDaniel. Yeah. And it's just absolutely awesome. And if that match were to be shown today, people would just be blown away by it. Just the selling and Wahoo really laid in and totally selling it like it really hurts, possibly because he did. That's uh, it, yeah. uh, <laughs> But it was just... You know, Tully's there and he's not really cranking up the villainy. Uh, and sh- because possibly because he doesn't want to overshadow Sean Spears, but Sean's the one, especially after he did the chair shot, who should have been really ramping it up. Yeah. And like Cody comes in, you think, well, is Cody sort of coming across a bit cocky? Is he the villain? And like, well, Sean, you're the one who should be really letting us know that you're the bad guy here. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't do that. Uh, whereas MJF, who's Cody's pal, you sort of look at him and thinking, he's the one, he's the bad guy yeah. here. Or he's the one who could be the bad guy, not yeah. Sean Spears. Yeah. So that definitely underscored a deficiency there in the Sean Spears character. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, shouting out there about Tully Blanchard. I mean, my guest a couple of weeks ago, and somebody that's actually become... Somebody that I keep in contact with, so watch this space, uh, Magnum TA. Anybody ever wants to see some good Magnum TA matches that only knows the story of Magnum TA or that hasn't seen the Tully Blanchard match, I recommend going back and watching uh, watching some of their matches. In fact, Magnum TA's words were that Tully Blanchard is his greatest ever opponent. So, Wow. Well, yeah, I would I would concur with that. Yeah, I would concur with that. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, 100%. yeah, I mean... Uh, AEW does have that kind of, uh, I guess, I suppose the old... Hey guys and gals, it's your boy in the Dynamo Kelly speaking, and I've got some good news for you. If you're like me, and you're a fan of wrestling, boxing, and MMA merch, and memorabilia, there's only one place to go, and that is Wrestling Mania. Wrestling Mania, Ireland's first and only wrestling shop. It's located at the very top floor of Dublin's St. Stephen's Green Shopping Centre. You can find Wrestling Mania on Facebook. Follow them on Facebook for the latest updates and what they are selling. It is a case where you may find something that you never thought you might find. Stacks and stacks of magazines. Stacks and stacks of collectibles. Stacks and stacks of t-shirts and everything you could want. And get this, if they don't have it in store, they will get it for you. And this is the kicker, they will deliver it right to your front door. So get in touch with Wrestling Mania. For more details, go to Wrestling Mania on Facebook and tell them the Dynamo Kelly sent you. We're back there, Finn. Sorry, some sort of technical issue with Skype, but we're back. It, it wasn't even a big issue, so it put a little little commercial... We, we can overcome, we, you know? We yeah. can overcome. Exactly. It's definitely the Brexit. Is, is, uh, blame Brexit on it. That's all I'll say. <laughs> exactly. The imminent threat of a no-deal Brexit. That's what screwed it up. Yeah, exactly. Screw- it's not the aliens. everything up Ian. It's not the aliens, Finn. It's, it's the bloody Brexit. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, we were we were just mentioning there a couple of things. I noticed today, I noticed this is a funny segue, um, someone showed a video the other day um, of an old WCW match, and I think one of the workers, you've probably seen this, one of the workers uh, 
took a little glass of champagne like in between the match because there happened to be a load of drinks at the table whatever whatever the scenario was in the match and Tony Schiavone came out with the line oh a little bit of the bubbly <laughs> <laughs> so Tony Schiavone deserves credit for a little bit of the bubbly because he did it in the 90s on WCW pay-per-view Ah, right. Okay, fantastic, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Chris Jericho, everything's recycled with Chris, isn't it? Nah, that's not fair. This whole uh, a little bit of the bubbly thing has been uh, been pretty much genius from him and the whole way he played the, you know, the belt belt theft um, yeah. uh, situation that happened and then it was recovered. Yeah. And, you know, I thought he played a blinder there. He so, did. I mean, that was all original. Yeah. And, you know, Chris rolled with the punches there. You know, he turned a, uh, as, as Paul Heyman would say, turned a, a negative into a positive. So, full marks to him for that. No, no. I know he wasn't actually suggesting Jericho <laughs> stole that because it was actually just something somebody found, you know. It was just a comment. I'm sure Jericho didn't even, even never even seen the match uh, that we're talking about. But it was actually genius because if you remember the last time we had a couple of uh, thinly veiled spinal tap references in the show. Um, and I remember you saying it's the first podcast I've been on where we've actually had some spinal tap references. But it's funny that that's actually what Chris Jericho was trying to do at that, you know, because he was talking at the table when he had the little olive, and he goes, oh, look, there's a little guy in here. <laughs> it was, uh, that was his intention. So the bubbly thing just purely happened by happenstance, basically. So Yeah. It's... Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's, that's ended up on a T-shirt, hasn't it, that's been a big seller. Yeah. Like, so... we're, we're doing something wrong. We have to come up with some sort of catchphrase, Finn. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but um, yeah, good for Chris. You know, he's uh, he's riding the wave right now. So um, you know, we'll see what happens when AEW ends up on TNT. But I tell you what, if I was a member of AEW right now, Ian, I'd be a little bit worried after that show of force by NXT last night. Yeah, I'm looking at it as we speak, and anything I'm seeing so far is really good. And also, there's not too much going on. Do you know? Um, I'd like to. I'd like to see the Young Bucks have less power than they have because that's just a shit show constantly of car crash after car crash after car crash. And you can actually hear it in Jim Ross's voice. People are saying, oh, but Jim Ross commentated great on all these kind of ladder matches, you know, back in the WWE. That's because there was psychology and story behind those ladder matches in WWE with the Hardys and Edge and Christian and whatnot. It's... You know, the Mexican guys and the Hardy boys, the Hardy books, I'll call them, uh, they're just, it's just flip after flip. And don't get me wrong, some of it looks amazing. But I'm just like, this is 40 minutes of flip. How is anybody meant, how are the crowd even meant to kind of be emotionally invested in a world title main event after that? Well, I'm with you. I mean, you know, some of the spots they did in the ladder match all out were just ridiculous. I mean, didn't they, didn't they do a Canadian destroyer off a ladder? Yes, yes. And there was no pin, uh, you know? And that reminded me of, you know, remember when Leo Rush did the move off the ladder and he was pilloried for it. I mean, he was just like absolutely, ne he was like criticized far and wide for his failure to sell his ridiculous stunt or bump of a ladder. And to me, I'm sure that was Matt Jackson who took that bump and yeah. he's back up again. And it's just like, you know, Canadian Destroyer, I remember when, I think it was Pete Williams, it wasn't was. it, who invented that. Yeah. And that was just like this 
astonishingly good finisher. And I realise that things have to evolve and things have to move on. But if you're taking a Canadian destroyer off a ladder, that should be the finish to me. What do you think? Oh, well, listen, you know, I don't even want to get started because I'll go on a Jim Cornette type of rant on this type of thing. I agree. It's uh, it's ridiculous. It's, it's um, you know, this is this is no parental, parental advisory show. So I'll say it's just dick measuring, really. It's like, you know, look what I can do. Look what I can do. It's, I mean, obviously they're tough guys because they have to be able to take the bumps. And, you know, they're all great athletes. But, good Lord, is it boring. Do you know what I mean? Because... You want to build a match to that Canadian destroyer off the ladder, and yeah. then that's it. It's over. Boom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you go back to WrestleMania 10, Sean versus Razor. I mean, okay, it's been shown multiple times in highlights, but we all re- we all remember Sean's splash off the ladder, don't we? Yeah. Which was not a particularly dangerous move, no. and seemed so like spectacular at the time. And those guys did all these things in the, in that match. And none of them, I mean, okay, there was some danger there, but nothing like what we saw it all out. No. And that, to me, is, is you know, imprinted in my memory, uh, you know, in, indelibly, in a way that I'll never forget. And already the all-out um, stunt show between, uh, you know, Lucha Brothers and uh, the Young Bucks, it already feels like many of the spots have faded from memory because they were not sold and... Too many. You know, it was just, let's move on to the next thing. It's like a conveyor belt, like, next, next, next. Yeah. And yeah. we need to do as many ridiculous stunts as we can because that's what our fans expect. And I think certainly those guys as stars and management figures should really be setting the example that let's just tone this down a bit. Let's make everything that we do mean more yeah. so that, you know, less is more, well, not this is what, more is more. Well, this is what could kill um, AEW for me because what they've done now is they put the likes of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks in a position of power Um Yet they have no experience working weekly live television programs in the US. They have no experience in running shows other than kind of indie shows, basically. Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, uh, OTT over in Ireland, over the top wrestling, was more produced, better produced than some of that stuff. Do you know what I mean? And that's on a smaller scale. Than, yeah. than a TNT network. So I just fear, and I'm not having a potch out of the young books. I know in the past I've been accused of, oh, you just hate the, the modern wrestling on this show. And I've actually given the young books credit where it's due at times as well. But then when you come with this kind of thing, and then you come with the the slow motion wrestling and Hadoukens and you know people taking bumps from fake fireballs and all, I just can never get behind that. Um, yeah. I think it's senseless. I, I do believe if, if you know, if, if, if a... You know, a Broadway actor, I've heard this, I didn't make this analogy, but I've heard it been thrown around. A Broadway actor just broke character and just start, you know, I don't know, done like a Joey Ryan dick flip in the middle of it. You know, what's the audience going to think? You know, it's just, it makes no sense. Um, you know, I'm all for comedy. I like a bit of comedy. And Listen, there was great comedy back in the old school. I mean, you look at Cornette, um the fabulous ones and all that. There was comedy elements in there, but when it came to business, man, they could be nasty. Do you know what I mean? I don't really see any nastiness in any of the new comedic guys or girls. There's not many... Com- I haven't seen too many comedy... Well, there's some comedy girls, actually, and they they actually are more nasty than the guys. Shout out to, you know, some of the, some of the UK and Irish women I've seen. So, yeah. 
I think, uh, you know, they do, they just, yeah, uh, I, I think they, the Young Bucks obviously have the ability, and I think, I just hope, I just hope that they can put on some of the good matches that you know they can have, because they can be, they've obviously got a great chemistry as brothers and as a tag team, I'd love to see them have yeah. some just serious matches, because I know they can, I mean, we, we saw elements of it with, um, with Cody and Dustin, so, more of that please. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just at the end of the all-out match, I think it was Nick, in, and he took like a, a, a bump, and he sort of took a really nasty spill off the ropes to a table at ringside. Yeah. Um, and just before he, you know, that was basically wiped him out for the end of the match. And like, I mean, I don't think he was injured by it, but he could have been. And it's just also like longevity. You know, you're a big part of this new promotion that's on weekly TV, two hours per week. There's a huge amount of money, as we know, invested in this. So your health, your long-term health, should be a huge priority here. Uh, and also, it's, again, setting the example to the rest of the locker room that, no, we're not going to do these really dangerous things because we don't need to. We can find other ways of making it work uh, that are safe. And I think that message really needs to be sent as well. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. And I mean, it's it's the same with um, you know, we'll talk about maybe just a little bit the same with. Have you noticed with Kenny Omega? I mean, obviously, Dave Meltzer is just you know he's got whatever hard on he has for you know Kenny Omega and uh, the Young Bucks, and no matter what they do, I think they could. I think the three of them could have a you know a three way with you know wrestling match with blow up dolls, and he'd still give it probably better stars than he's given some 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 of the American content, you know. Um, that's just whatever his obsession with these guys is. I don't know. They're all great athletes. It's the same with Kenny Omega, but in no way and no world is Kenny Omega or has he ever been the best wrestler on the planet. You know, never, 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 never. Especially while AJ Styles still breeds as well. Um, but not in, not even like for me, not even in you know in a top ten in my top ten anyway, because the more I'm watching the guy, again, there's no psychology behind him. I thought the build that they were kind of getting with uh, with Ambrose, or should I say Moxley, um, was looking good. And I think Moxley could have brought some of that out, some of the real emotion. Um, I think Jericho was able to do it. But then when he goes back to work and goes like, Pack, it's just the same. Look how many flips and you know tricks I can do. It's all bells and whistles. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I'm a fan of Omega. I mean, I do know what you mean. I mean, he's, obviously, he's had some really good years. I did enjoy uh, some of his matches with uh, Okada. I think he is a real talent. Oh, yeah. But I do know, I do know what you mean in terms of realism. Yeah. Uh, I think one time I sort of... At times, you watch Kenny Omega, and he, he kind of seems a little bit like a ballet dancer. Yes, exactly. The way he moves. Yes. It's sort of... And, and it is very graceful, yeah, and at times the re- there's not that realistic. Yeah, but certainly stuff in New Japan. I mean, I can't fault that. I mean, that series he had with Okada and the story leading up to him winning the IWGP title. I mean, that was sadly. I don't think it's something he'll ever top in his career because the story was so good. Yeah, um, and he had a lot of matches with guys that that w- had never had matches of that level when he get in there with with certain guys, and he would bring them up. He would make them better. So to me, that is the sign of a good worker, is that he will make people appear better than they are. But 
from what he's done in AW, it's sort of been a strange year for him because, I mean, he kind of peaked in New Japan last year and it was all, you know, leading to him winning the, the title and then he dropped it to uh, Tanahashi at the Tokyo Dome on January 4th of this year. Then he, he left as has did the rest of the elite and he hasn't really done much this year. So I think in a sense we kind of got to cut him some slack. I mean, he hasn't been out there night in and night out. So, you know, he had the match, as you say, with Packer all out. Um, and he's, you know, I'm not saying he's rusty, but I just think once he's wrestling on a regular basis again with AEW and he's on TV, you know, let's see what he can do. You know, I think he's probably feels like he's got a lot to prove because it's sort of been, it's been a slow year for him for various reasons, most of which are beyond his control. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do get what you mean. Yeah, his style doesn't exude realism at times. I absolutely am I'm with you on that one. See, it's not like I'm, I, in no way, shape or form, would I say that Kenny Omega can't work. Um, I think sometimes people would take that context uh, from me and then kind of slate me for it. It's never, it's never the case. Um, I think you know, a hundred percent. He he can do all the he can do all the you know the nice stuff. He can he can work some nice matches. But again, overkill as well. I mean, I saw the first Kenny Omega match with Okada, and I thought, wow, incredible. But then again, we're going into like hour long matches with so much in it that I can't recall any of it. It's like Raven said in the past. It's like going to see him, you know, a film with just nonstop car crashes. And then you come out of the cinema not remembering yeah. one spot, you know? Um, and I think I think with Kenny Omega, I think that's what I seem to get a lot. Um, I thought the match he had with Jericho at the last pay-per-view was pretty good because it was a bit slower. I'd just like to see him... Yeah, I'd just like to see him kind of maybe slow down a bit. And again, like the Young Bucks, but, you know, not to that extent, but slow down a little bit and maybe kind of work up to what he can do. Because he, he can obviously do everything. It's just... yeah. I'd like to see a little bit more realism. I'd like to see a little bit more in the facial expressions as well. Do you know what I mean? I'd like to hear a bit more, I don't know, oomph behind the, the voice. He doesn't come across as aggressive. It comes across as, when he talks, it comes across as forced. It's like, who, what are you, you know? I want to just yeah. a bit more character behind the, you know, show a bit of him true self in the ring is what I mean. Uh, and as his character rather than playing the character. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he plays in the States because, I mean, he's obviously been a star in Japan for many, many years, first with yeah. UDT and then with New Japan. Um, and he's done, he's obviously was part of Ring of Honor or connected with Ring of Honor and they did some really good business. Uh, and the Elite or Bullet Club prior to that were something of a phenomenon. Uh, obviously not NWO level, but certainly when it comes to a T-shirt selling uh, phenomenon, I mean, you've got to, give him huge props for that so I mean he does have an audience he does have a fan base and it'd be interesting to see how you know the mass audience who doesn't really know who he is how, how they respond to him and whether they'll pick up on what you're saying or whether they'll think you know what this guy is spectacular he does things that no one else does I really like him you know Yeah. yeah. so uh, I mean it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it plays out on TNT mm-hmm. uh, but I, I know what you mean about his promos as well he sort of comes they kind of sort of almost softly spoken at times. Like, yeah. he doesn't really... He's not really... Uh, Intimidating. I know, but again, that's his character. So, I yeah. mean, it's... It, many times, you've just got to see how it plays out. And it's all sort of untested. We're into, uh, you know, uncharted waters here with uh, Omega in the in the US. So, 
you know, the TNT thing, it's a big thing for all of them. Yeah. Uh, and we're just, you know, let's just give them a chance. Let's give them a chance, Ian. I agree. I agree. Let's give them all a chance. It's like I said, I'm actually rooting for them. I want to, I want to see, it's like I said about the Young Bucks, I want to see them have them classic matches. That, you know, because it benefits us all. Benefits them, it benefits everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I suppose as we talk... I, I do get what you mean about Omega doing his, you know, V-trigger after V-trigger after V-trigger in the match. And that, I mean, to me, that move looks... Looks devastating. Why not just use one V trigger as a finish instead of loads of them? Yeah. So it just gets to the point where um, it just gets to the point where people appear indestructible. Yeah. It's uh, and if people good. are indestructible, then you know it's like that famous um, fight between was it was it the second Matrix where Neo has the fight with was it Agent Smith where all the Agent Smiths turn up. Oh yes. Do you know? Yes. Do you know yeah. yeah. And and, it's, and no one's everyone's punching everyone. Neil's punching all these agent smiths that just keep appearing, and none of them sell anything. Yeah. And this fight just keeps on going, and no one can be injured, no one can be hurt. So there's no emotional attachment to it because it just doesn't feel real. Um, and I think in wrestling, that's very important not to fall into that trap, where it's like, oh, well, what's going to finish this guy off? You know, it's like. You know, is it going to go another ten minutes? Why can't why can't one of these devastating moves lead to the finish instead of five? Uh, and I think you know they need to you know scale it back a bit. And I think everything will then mean more. Well, like I just seen a really good move there um, as we speak with a uh, Leo Rush, and he done like a. I don't. You didn't see the second half, did you? Um, I started. Well, I'm actually up to Leo Rush versus Loney. Orkin. Yeah. And uh, it was quite funny. Uh, Ronaldo on commentary said, Leo Roshi's had more issues than a magazine. <laughs> that was a good line. That's brilliant. No, I just <laughs> I just noticed a really cool move. Leo Rush, like, done a springboard off his ass on the second rope and then came into a stunner. Now, that made sense to not be a finish because Leo Rush is obviously about half the weight of the guy. So, obviously, you're not going to expect a pinfall there. It's obviously just done what it's meant to do. It stunned the guy and gave him the upper hand to try and get a, yeah. get a flip in or something like that. Whereas if that was, yeah. you know, Kenny Omega coming off the rope on a same-size guy, that should be finishing guys then. Do you know what I mean? That's the psychology yeah. behind the moves. Um, and hopefully hopefully we get a bit more of that behind it because I, there's a lot more people than me and you um, that like the old-school psychology. And I think a lot of the new school would like it as well. If, if if done correctly. Um, Definitely. Yeah, just tone things down a bit. Make everything mean more. Exactly. And if everything means more, there's more emotional attachment, more, more emotional involvement. And um, and that's what wrestling's all about to me, or at least it should be. Yeah. Well, look, I think we're going to wrap up again um, for this show. I was thinking maybe we'll touch base again in maybe a month or two and kind of see how, how the war is going. Um but also see um, kind of more how SmackDown and Raw are fleshing out as well under the, the new regime with, with um, Eric Bischoff and, and Paul Heyman. And if if anything has changed, in fact, or whether they were just hired as titles, you know. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things happening and a lot of things apparently are going to change. You know, we'll see if Vince allows Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff to run... Uh, Raw and SmackDown, respectively. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a big question, isn't that's it? That's what really? I'm getting at, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it all plays out and 
having another draft. I mean, we only had one in April, and then they sort of ignored that after a few weeks. So let's see if they stick to the guns this time on the draft. Oh, they're going to be brand exclusive. Well, will they be? You know, I think a lot of that will depend on how ratings are, how viewership is uh, once the uh, you know the new era or the October era into the October era with SmackDown and Fox and uh, Raw and its uh, new deal with USA. Uh, how is the viewing figures holding up, or how will the viewing figures hold up when they'll only have access to half the roster? We will wait and see on that one. Yeah, it sounds good. Listen, uh, Finn, it's always been a pleasure. And guys and girls, ladies and gents. Don't forget to go and check out the new WrestleTalk magazine, issue 11, which should be on stands in your newsagents near you. Go check it out. Um, go read the uh, longest article that Finn's ever written, four-page article on the history of WWF and WWE television in the UK. I, for sure, am going to go out and do that today. And uh, once again, Finn, always a pleasure, and we will definitely, definitely um, speak again soon. Absolutely, thanks for having me on, and uh, yeah, look forward to our next recording. Awesome. And I do thank each and every one of you sexy boys and gals out there for listening to this week's edition of Dynamo's Dozen, and thank you for listening to the amazing Finley Martin as we welcome him back once again. Um, and I do honestly implore each and every one of you to go out and check out Issue 11 of Wrestle Talk Magazine, which is now available at all good news agents near you. And until next week, this is Ian Dynamo Kelly saying for Dynamo's Dozen, Dynamo over and out.